there's a lot more people than when I first sat down. That's nice to know. <laughs> Great. Yeah, so this morning, uh, I'm going to be looking at the second part of our mission statement. Um, I'm conscious, though, that I don't know a lot of people in this room. Uh, so uh, I go to the five o'clock service in the evening with my wife, Megan, over here. Hello, Megan. Um, uh, uh, and we joined this church five years ago when the evening service started. And we did that because we wanted to be part of a church community uh, which is vibrant near where we lived. And we were both living in the area at the time. Since we got married, uh, we've both moved uh, to south of the river to the Ellsville kind of tooting area. But consider St. Dionys and Parsons Green to be our spiritual home in London. Um, as Tim said, I'm uh, a church warden here. But by day, um, I'm a strategy uh, and management consultant in the city. Don't worry if you don't know what that means. Neither do I. In fact, I don't think anyone does. I'm looking at other management consultants in the room. Dan, do you know what it really means? No, no one does. Um, uh, but on a Sunday, it is my pleasure to be here in uh, my capacity as the church warden. And you'll be pleased to know I know a little bit more about what a church warden is, does was meant to do uh, and essentially that means I'm here to keep Tim in line um, so for you that means uh, I'm your kind of point of contact if you have any concerns whether it be anything from serious pastoral issues all the way through to administrative stuff um, and you for one reason or another don't want to talk to Tim or Lydia about it uh, myself and Cheryl and um, not Cheryl Francesca Cheryl was this morning. She's the, this morning I spoke at the 8.30 and there were about five ex-church wardens in the room. Um, but myself and Francesca are, are church wardens uh, for this year. So please come and speak to us um, if you've got any concerns. So what did we learn last week? We looked um, and Tim unpacked that first part of the mission statement, being mission-minded disciples or rather growing mission-minded disciples. And unpacking that, that statement a little bit more, mission-minded, what does that really mean? And like the root of that word, missio, which means action, intent, movement, purpose. Not be going into a holy huddle, but moving outwards. Living for Jesus as a disciple that follows. And, and when I was listening to it, it was that, almost like that sense of God saying, being a disciple means I kind of, as a parent takes the hand of a child, I take you by the hand and I lead you where I'm going. Um, and it was an amazing uh, challenge of where is God leading you and ordering your steps? When did he last move you? Um, and initially I thought I'd been given uh, or been shortchanged by the title of this talk. Um, how come Tim gets all the exciting part on mission and what being a disciple means, and I get the footnote, the caveat, the asterisk, oh yeah, by the way, you're meant to do this wherever you are. But actually, in the process of writing this talk and getting into uh, wherever, that statement, wherever I am, what does that mean to me? I felt so, so challenged by a number of things that I think God um, is calling out for me that I'd want to share with you. Um, and a few things and a few mentalities that I think God is wanting to correct in our church amongst us as well. Um, and later on, um, after uh, we do communion, we're going to be looking at this map exercise. Tim will explain it more fully than I will. But essentially just mapping where do you actually spend your time? 
where is your work? Where is your home? Where, where do I spend most of my time? Where is um, God? Where am I at the moment that God is using me? And really, as we start 2019, I felt God calling me to reflect soberly with real clarity on actually where am I at the moment? What am I doing with my time at the moment? Reflection and clarity, and I think that is what God, and that often the new year is, is, not a very, is a very clear opportunity for us to do that. I think, actually, where is God taking me in 2019? Um, and also, I want to look at where God is taking us as a church in 2019. But the challenge for me is, am I living in the present? Am I missing out on what is happening right now by lingering on what I hope for next? Am I living oft, on, often on autopilot? I get this weird feeling every time I get out the tube at Canary Wharf Station that my mind is elsewhere and my feet just take me. And I don't even have to think. I know exactly which lane I'm going to get into to get through the turnstiles first, to get up the escalator on the walking path, and literally between getting on the tube at Tooting Broadway and getting off at Canary Wharf, I have not thought one moment about where I'm actually going. It just happens. I'm on autopilot. And I felt like God wanted to shake me out of that. What are this, what are, where am I on autopilot? Where am I not even aware of the decisions being made for me that dictate my steps and move me? How will I allow instead God to move me to where he wants me this year? What are God's thoughts on my time living and working in London? And my time worshipping at St. Dee's? And I think... To be really uh, frank, often London can be a really, really transient place where people come and go so quickly. Um, and maybe for, for, for many of us, St. Dee's will actually be a short space of time. I look around this room and I see actually there are people who have upheld this church as oaks of righteousness over the last 30 years. And I look at Alan at the back. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, I was actually speaking to, to Alan before the service uh, and uh, about how God calls, uh, about the, that second half of the, the statement, wherever you are. Uh, and Alan told me about, um, sorry, Alan, I'm picking on you, but um, everyone knows you because you say hello to everyone. So that's, it's an easy person to pick on. That statement, wherever you are, Alan was on a, a retreat 30, maybe even longer, th over 30 years ago at a Russian Orthodox church of all places, for some reason, uh, on a silent retreat and was given a verse to meditate on throughout the day. Um, and it was a psalm of God saying, I will make you an oak of righteousness. Um, and Alan sat there throughout the whole day in silence, hating every minute of it because he loves to talk. And in the last five minutes of the day, God said to him, will you go and be an oak wherever I send you? Um, now, it's amazing. I, I, I think that there are people that will carry a common culture of this church, of welcome, of uh, God's spirit in this church and moving in this church. Um, and Alan, thank you so much for being one of those oaks who stood here over 30 years and you have been planted straight into, and it was probably a few years after that, that you found yourself in St. Dionysus and you've been here for 30 years since then. And you have carried, and I recognize there are people around this room who have carried this church for a lot longer than I have in my five years here and will continue to do so. And it carries a common culture, but there will be many of us um, 
and I, and I think particularly to the congregation at the 5 p.m. service, who will be moving through this city like a whirlwind, who will be in and out of London like a flash before they've really fully taken stock of the time that they're spending here. Make the most of it. While we're here, let's get involved. Don't stand on the sidelines. Be a part of the adventure. And I feel like there are um, a few mentalities of uh, God's calling for us, which, we, which are common to all of us, and they're in three different areas. Firstly, as part of a worldwide church, we are part of a, a family of God where we all collectively, with people we don't even know, have a common calling and a common purpose. And we take our lead from the New Testament to be shaped into a church in the likeness of Jesus and his followers. We have a common playbook to enact justice, to roll out mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. I know it may not often feel like that because we're often doing it in such different ways. But we all are joined as part of the worldwide uh, movement of God's church. Now, if you hone in from that huge across the world, we are all part of the common purposes that God has for us down to St. Dionys, our church. We have a corporate identity and a purpose that we here in this room are all called to. Where are you involved in this church? Where is this church specifically going? And then the third, so going from the macro, everyone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus, down to St. Dionys, down to specifically you, where is God taking you in 2019? The aim of this church which has been ever since I arrived and I hope will always be, is to see everyone flourishing into the purposes and intentions that God has for our lives. To flourish into the full likeness of, how, of our design. Now, I love this church. I really, really do. It's where I've grown in consistent community with people over the last five years from a pretty fragile and unsure follower of Jesus into someone not afraid of responsibility and, and now also a husband. That's been a huge transition in my life from being a single man without any responsibilities really um, to being a consistent member of this church and a husband. It's been a massive change for me. And this church has effectively been a kind of sparring ring or a nursery slope for me to grapple with what has been holding me back from the full image of God that I was made to reflect. And I'm indebted to this church community and those that have laid the ground before us. Um, I, the way that I described it to Alan earlier was uh, those oaks of righteousness that, that hold up a ceiling became effectively the, the, the ground for us to come and enjoy a foundation of church when we joined five years ago. So we are hugely grateful to people like Alan, See, I'm not going to call out names, but to all of you who have laid the groundwork of this church. And I hope that this will always be a church of vision that ignites people into their full image and never clings on to anyone who feels that God is leading them elsewhere. We're not a church bound by lines. Not everyone can live in this church Paris, parish or in Parsons Green or even in Hammersmith and Fulham. But if you are looking to be part of this church community, we need to be all throwing ourselves into the purposes that God has for us here together. Don't stand on the sidelines because it will pass you by before you even realize. 
Jesus exemplified and calls us to live this radical life of obedience, holiness, and power in his spirit. Um, uh, and we're going to focus in on uh, how this plays out. Oh, dear. How this plays out to the church in Philippi. So I'm going to read to you. It's, at, it's on uh, page 1115, if you've got a Bible. I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 7, and 3 to verse 13. Uh, and this verse, these verses are taken from uh, the Apostle Paul, who at the time was writing in prison in chains. Um, and earlier on in his introduction, he says, I, uh, there is no difference to me, he says, between whether I write to you bound in chains in prison in prison, or standing as a free man. There is no difference to me because I consider everything of worth to be found in Jesus. Uh, and he goes on here. Let me read it to you. Verse 7, chapter 3. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. And it's that phrase, I take hold, that I want to focus on for us here this morning. It's such an active verse. There's nothing kind of passive of, oh, I just allow God's grace and his mercy to wash over me. He takes hold of it. It's so active. He doesn't kind of passively sit by and expect things to happen. Even in chains, when he physically cannot move, wherever he is, he is taking hold of the prize he considers as Christ Jesus. Let's take hold of what is ahead for us in 2019, forgetting what is past and run the race set before us. I don't want to be part of a church that listens to the sacrifices of uh, people like the Apostle Paul or brothers and sisters around the world um, who sacrifice daily for their faith, and yet I'm unprepared to take a slight for my faith in the workplace is a hypocrisy and it's injustice. Whether in jail or free, I have not yet received all of those things. I have not yet been made perfect, but I move on to take hold of what Christ Jesus took hold of me for. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider that I have taken hold of it yet, but here is the one thing I do. I forget what is behind me and I push hard toward what is ahead of me. 
So what is ahead of us for, uh, together in this church for the next year? And I believe in the same way that Tim talked about being a disciple is when God almost takes us by the hand like a parent taking a child. I believe that God is taking this church by the hand into three things. Greater intimacy with him, greater brotherhood and sisterhood with one another, and radical service to our neighbors. We want to draw people into all facets of the life of this church, and we need all three of these things in balance. Greater intimacy with him, that means discipling together by reinvigorating our corporate prayer lives, giving space for people to practice prophetic gifting, prioritizing Sundays. And this is, if I'm really honest, this has been one of the main um, areas that I feel God's challenge for, for me and Meeks is prioritizing Sundays uh, has for many different reasons been very tricky for us. But it's something that I so feel, keenly feel God saying, make Sunday your priority. Sorry, I've lost my place. To be transformed by the teaching through the renewal of our minds. So that's one, greater intimacy with him. Greater brotherhood and sisterhood with one another. Prioritizing a life group. Um, I look around this room and see people who we've been in. Sorry. (laughs) This happened to me last time I preached at the 10.30. It's very embarrassing. No, not the five, for some reason, never the five. Um, Prioritizing a life group. This is the genuine space for true intimacy. It's where we get unprecedented insights into one another's lives. We learn and we practice vulnerability and we grapple with thorns. You two could stop looking at me at the back. That would be helpful. Thank you. It's where we grapple with thorns of life. Pulling out the weeds. And lastly, radical service to our neighbors. Sacrificing our time, our energy, our resources to enable our neighbors here in Parsons Green to flourish. This is not just a vision about us flourishing inside these walls. We need to see our neighbors in Parsons Green flourishing. Supporting those who can't afford to feed themselves through food bank. Housing those who are homeless at Glassdoor. Freeing those who struggle under addictions at the recovery course. Releasing stressed mums at Mumbies. And reaching the isolated and lonely elderly through Rise. Those are just some examples of it. We heard more last week about... Uh, different things and aspects of the life of this church where we look to reach out to the neighbors in this area. I'm excited for this church. I'm excited for the church weekend away. Um, I love the church weekend away. I know so many people who hate church weekends away. I love the church weekend away. It's a chance that I feel at the beginning of the year to be reinvigorated for all those three things, greater intimacy with him, brotherhood with one another, and radical service to our neighbors. It's an, it's an opportunity to place yourself at the heart of where St. Dionysus is going in 2019. 
Now, also, I just want to touch on it quickly. We, it's so exciting, Tim, to hear that Living Space, there are spades going in the ground on the 4th of February. Now, that is exciting. And it will undoubtedly be a big preoccupation for this church in 2019. We've got a wonderful team of people who work in the industry who are overseeing this. It's great that people like Charles Lennon, Tim Burville, Mark Younger, um, all people who have experience of projects like this, throwing themselves into it, giving their time, um, we are in trustworthy hands. And thank you to those who've given um, in the past and responses, responded to recent drives. But I feel like God wants to be really clear with us that living space won't solve all of our problems. If we aren't exhibiting or driving for the characteristics we aspire to now, a new building will simply not solve that for us. What do we aspire to in this church? Then we can decide what do we want to use the space for. If there is no intention for us to use uh, the, what living space will create, if there is no intention from us now to use it in a radical new way of reaching out to our community, it simply will not happen when the new building comes. Also, just to touch on it, it will impact how we use this space in the meantime. We'll have to be accommodating. Um, I, th I think of it, or I like to think of it, when I was a child, uh, we were having our kitchen redone, and it meant that we cooked on a camping stove uh, and a microwave in the sitting room, which is quite strange, but it's quite novel, and it was actually quite fun as a child. Um, and I'd like to, us to think of it in that same way, uh, as a family pulling together to cook in the sitting room before we get an amazing new kitchen. Um, but undoubtedly, over that time, when do, we, when do we aim to finish? February through to autumn. That's a nice broad season, isn't it? So that's St. Dionys. Where are we going together corporately in 2019? And what about you? What about the specific thing that God has for you in 2019 in London? Now, I love London. Uh, it's where I grew up. It's my home. My parents still live just over the river uh, around Clapham Junction kind of area. That's where I grew up. It's what's familiar to me. And that, that may sound very strange to people who've not grown up in London because London can often be this faceless, quite kind of intimidating, uh, trepid, trepid, yeah, intimidating place. Um, but actually, London is what's familiar to me. It's where I feel at home. Um, I also like to think there's a certain swagger to London kids. We're streetwise. We're independent. We can look after ourselves because it was the mean streets that raised us. Those country kids, they don't know how to cross a road. Um, but often, London can feel like an intimidating place. Um, has anyone seen a film called Mortal Engines? Okay, well, good for the rest of the people. It's not a great film. <laughs> It got a terrible Rotten Tomatoes uh, rating, um, but it's got a gripping trailer. Um, it's a sci-fi film about a post-apocalyptic Earth where cities have been turned into moving machines, consuming all the last things that are available, all the last resources available on Earth, and it follows a small mining town that gets swept up and consumed by this megalothon, which is London. And there's this ridiculous scene where a woman kind of says, what is that? And someone says, it's London. And London can be, can feel like that consuming, extracting place. 
Over the summer, I heard um, Pete Hughes, who's a vicar of a church in North London in King's Cross, um, and he gives an incredible insight into being a Christian in London, following the story of the Israelites, who were taken out of slavery in Egypt, only for them to become slave drivers later on when they arrived in the Promised Land. And God says to them, uh, and he rebukes them, saying, how could you have done this? When you knew what it was like to be a slave, how could you then turn to become a slave driver yourself? And the challenge to us, and the challenge that I felt God saying to me is, where have I become swept up in the machine of London, which values success, busy, and achievement above all else? And frankly, at the expense of others. So often, the mentality of Londoners is, I'll stick out 5, 10, 15 years in the city, slave my guts out, get the money, move out to the country where I won't have to deal with any of that mess that's left behind in London. Who are the people that are left in the wake of that mentality? What is the impact of that kind of attitude to London, where actually being part of London is just about, I go from my house to my work, I get everything I need, I come home, and the dream is to move out in 10, 15 years. I've never fully put roots down, I've never fully invested, and I've never fully really given outside of what I can get. Is that how God sees it? This is a city of people, many lost and looking to make their mark. Are we caught up in that extracting mentality? Where are we identifying with the broken and the lost on the sharp end of this city? And this is, this is brought home to me more than anything by, um, I went home, so my parents still go to the church I grew up in, uh, in, in around the kind of Battersea, Clapham Junction area. Uh, and, and growing up for the first um, kind of 18 years of my life while I was at home, uh, we used to have to, there was a green outside the church and we played football every day, every Sunday after church um, and, and, and often like during the week. But there was always a man lying on the grass or sat on the grass who you had to play football around. And uh, like sometimes if he was asleep, we'd use him as a goalpost. Um, but you, you, you didn't want to interact with this guy. You wanted to steer well clear of him. Um, and he was, he was pretty frightening, to be honest. Um, and I went back to my mum and dad's church about two years ago. Uh, and as I walked in, I saw someone. And you know when you see someone, you kind of recognize features, but you can't quite place them. And I thought, how do I recognize that guy's face? And then my mum reminded me, that was the guy. His name's Liam. He used to, he has a, he used to have a horrible drinking uh, and gambling addiction, and he sat on the green outside church every day, drinking between going to and fro the betting shop. Uh, and now his face, from what was this mean, scary face of you didn't want to kick a football near him, he's now on like the welcoming team. He's there, Alan. Um, he's been invited into church community. And it's because some one person from that church decided to actually, after church on a Sunday, I'm going to go and start talking to that guy. And they went back every single week, talked to that guy, talked to that guy, talked to that guy. And then all of, and it feels like, and probably feels like nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, there's this radical transformation in him. 
I wonder if you could do um, an exercise just in your head before we do this map of where I live and where I work. Uh, picture in the middle your house or your flat. Uh, place your neighbors either side. Do you know their names? Can you tell yourself one fact about either of those groups of people or people? If you live in a flat, what about the person above or below you? What about the person opposite you? What about that person diagonally from your house or your flat? Do you know their names? Can you tell me yourself one fact about those people? That was a pretty uncomfortable exercise for me. I know one person. We live in a, in a block of flats um, above to this either side. I could probably tell you roughly what they look like. I have no idea what their names are. I have no idea about their lives. My challenge that I felt God specifically calling me to for 2019 is not to be swept up in the culture of London. Praise his busyness. Wants me to pour myself into my work, dictates where I go, what I spend my time on, consumes more than I want to give and alienates me from those not in my immediate working culture. So what can we do to avoid being swept up in the machine? How do we steer ourselves away from being the slave drivers or the slaves? Now that sounds super dramatic, but I felt God actually just provoking in me a really simple response. Just do it. Don't make a fuss over it. No fanfare. Don't even tell anyone about it. Just get into the habit of acting on godly impulse. Why don't I invite that guy who lives, who's just recently been widowed, who lives underneath us? Why don't we invite him for tea? Don't, well, I've told you about it now. Don't tell people about it. Just do it. Don't wear it like a badge of honor. Keep it between you and God. Of course, we don't want that to be from a position of, oh, I, I feel like I should do that or I have to do that. It should all be from the wellspring of intimacy with God brotherhood and sisterhood with one another here. And that's the position, that's the starting point to be overflowing into our areas around us, to our neighbors, to our colleagues, wherever we are. Get into the mentality of, I'm going. When God consistently throughout the Old Testament said, who will go for us? Certain people put their hand up and said, I will. I want this to be, I want to be part of a church community that is immediate to respond, I will, we will. And I appreciate that this is a difficult balance in London. This is a really difficult balance, especially for parents. I get that. But the challenge I feel God's saying is, if you don't make the decision to reprioritize your time, London will make the decision for you. It makes that priority of busyness and achievement above all else. But I don't want to give myself the excuse one more time that I'm just so busy because London is so hectic. That is a choice I've made to prioritize my time that way. And if we don't make that choice, London will make it for us. So where is God taking you in 2019? As a church, there are some exciting things that are going to happen. 
But what is the thing that God is calling specifically you and only you to? Because not, you don't follow everyone around in a pair every day. Wherever you are, you are the only person who does wherever you are. I hope it will be part of what God is taking us, where God is taking us in St. Dionysus. Um, and I, I want to pray quickly before, before we have communion that we are present in our communities at home, at work, and in Parsons Green. And that these years that we're here in London and at St. Dionysus are times of powerful encounter, not times spent on autopilot. Okay, can I pray for us, Simon, and then we'll go? Lord, thank you that you are our prize. We count everything as loss compared to the greatness of knowing you. Help us, Lord, to set our sights on you anew this year. You are our prize, Lord, and we want to take hold of that. Help us to move from passive and on autopilot to recognizing where you are taking us as a church together and where you are taking us individually. We want to be faithful disciples who take the hand of our Father like children. Help us to make decisions about what we spend our time, our money, our energy on, not to allow this city, this great city, to make the decision for us. Father, we love you. As a church, we love you. We love what you're doing in this place and what you will do in 2019. And Father, if in any way there is a feeling of, I should have done that, would you root that out, Lord, and replace it with an intimacy with you and a brotherhood and sisterhood with one another. At no point, Lord, would you allow us as a church to move into a place of giving and sacrificing and serving from a place of empty and a place of I should or I must. Father, help, help me to allow these things not just to be a good challenge, but to really change how I prioritize. In Jesus' name, amen.